You are listening to Open Science Talk, the podcast about open science. My name is Per Pipinaspos, and in today's episode, I'm joined by Erik Samuelsen from the Norwegian Meteorological Institute, where you are a researcher and a senior meteorologist. Welcome to the program, Erik. Thank you. Uh, Erik, you are a researcher and senior meteorologist at the Norwegian Meteorological Institute. And you're also affiliated with the physics department here at UIT, uh, the Arctic University of Norway, to which we will return. But um, I was thinking, what is meteorology? Uh, what is What makes it so important to people generally? Yeah, meteorology is about the atmosphere and the flow in the atmosphere. Uh, and you can say the science about the atmosphere and the atmosphere contro- is close to the surface is is the weather and uh, whether it's clouds or rain or temperature and everybody can feel the weather so that's why so many people uh, ha- has an interest in in the daily weather especially here in northern norway where we have a lot of weather <laughs> Shifti- <Indeed>. shifting weather <laughs> changing weather Indeed, we have a lot of weather. Um, and to to check the weather forecast, uh, in recent years we have had this uh, tool called YR.NO, or YR.NO. What is that? YR.NO yeah, is a source to weather information on a web page on the internet, but it, it is also on mobile platforms like an app so you can search for a weather forecast for your location or other locations all around the world. And you can also get information about observations, for instance, from satellite images, radars, but also weather stations that are mounted around the world. Yeah, if you look into ir.no, you can both look ahead to the forecast for the coming days and even weeks. <laughs> Uh, and and back you can find statistics etc and how is all this weather data collected the the main weather data is collected by observations uh, norwegian meteorological institutes has a lot of stations uh, and also all around the world they have weather stations mounted where we collect precipitation temperature wind etc and uh, the forecast is calculated by supercomputers. So we have some information, especially from observations that we put into the start initial condition of the forecast, and then we calculate the weather ahead in time. So it's actually mathematics that you see in, in, on year But uh, you mentioned stations. Some of these I noticed are not actually run by the meteorologists yourself, run by others. How does that work? Yeah, we have some private weather stations called NetApo. They are not directly available on EU.no, but they are used in correcting the weather forecast uh, for the the short-term forecasts two days ahead. So, uh, for instance, today it's only the temperature that is corrected. So if the model says that it's too low temperatures and the station says that in reality there is high temperature, there is a so-called bias correction of the temperature. And especially for the first six hours, this has a large effect on the forecast. So the temperature forecast, where there are a lot of net atmospheres, is actually getting better. 
Yeah, because I tried to look into this a little bit and I found a map showing Netatmo stations uh, all over Scandinavia with very, very many. I mean, many people seem to have it on their countryside cabin or places like that. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. I also have my own Netatmo station in Shibotten here close to Tromsø. So I also try to correct the forecast there. So that's true. So you don't actually need to be trained. You just buy this equipment and you place it somewhere and then it starts sending signals yeah. uh, via the internet or? Yeah, via the internet. So it has to be connected to the internet to, to send signals. And uh, there is also a correction of the data by um, comparing the station data to other stations. So if somebody has mounted it uh, not correctly, for instance, put it inside their cabin, it is disregarded and it's not used. So there's a high quality control of these stations. Right. And you mentioned a little bit, but my question would be, how important are these contributions from the lay people, so to speak, the, the citizens? This yeah. is an example, we could say, of citizen science, right? Yeah, that's correct. And today it's only used for temperature and especially for the first six hours it uh, has added value, uh, the error has been 30% lower with these stations for the first six hours. So uh, quite a significant contribution, I would say. How does this feed into other debates, current debates like climate change and so on? Can you use Netatmo for that as well, to have high resolution data from many places to say something about the climate, or is that you need to use other long-term stations, professional long-term stations, for that kind of information. Yeah, and we could use Netatmo station if uh, we uh, are able to record it for several decades, but no one has done that yet. So maybe in 50 years, <laughs> if you have data from all these Netatmo stations, they could also be used in climate science. Right. Yeah, we mentioned a little bit the the weather forecast as, as a science, and you say it's computer-based these days. Uh, uh, it Algorithms, and you, you get this uh, nice resolution. Um, uh, it looks almost like a Google map, right, of the weather, if you if you check in on ir.no. Quite impressive, but do we actually need the, the meteorologists uh, anymore? Yeah, when you say meteorologists, you probably mean traditional weather forecasters providing weather forecasts based on numerical weather prediction model, but with their own ex experience. But uh, I would say that we still need traditional weather forecasters for several reasons, because there are still quite large model errors. A weather forecaster can use information from different weather prediction models, not only one. Uh, in, in his forecast and uh, by including his experience with the weather and how good the model is, he can correct uh, the, the models in his forecasting areas. And he can also digest the most important and extract the most important inf information and issue warnings uh, when needed. And this is today the main task of the duty forecasters at Met Norway. Right, you mentioned experience here is a key word, right? I guess, and n nobody can be at every place at the same times. And and here in uh, with the topography of northern Norway, for instance, the weather can vary a lot between between village and village, and also on the sea, of course. 
do you get some other kind of feedback, experience-based feedback from uh, from the citizens of uh, Norway? Yes, a lot. For instance, from fishermen, when they're out in a boat, fishing boat and the weather forecast is not correct, they give feedback by email or by phone calls. Uh, and that's very valuable information because we cannot, uh, we can never get enough observations from the layman. And also other feedbacks when you have issued warnings and there is severe weather, if a, a tree has fallen down, that's valuable information about the consequences of our warning. And this experience can be quite anecdotal, I guess. I mean, it can be one fisherman calling to say something. Can you actually use this to improve the algorithms uh, afterwards? Uh, improving the algorithms is uh, takes quite a lot of time and development. And uh, we are using all these kind of information to, to improve the algorithms in the long term. But uh, in the short term, we can only improve the presentation of the weather information and especially when issuing a warning from a traditional weather forecasting he, he can both his experience will be improved and better and he can adjust the model information in his presentation of the weather yeah because the weather can be a question of life and death uh, in some cases if you if you if there is a storm at sea or you're doing cross country skiing in the winter time in the mountains and then there's a sudden storm and you haven't been warned that's, do, that's correct do you get um, angry feedback sometimes with people who have been really disappointed with the weather forecast and have experienced uh, close to death experiences so to speak or uh, not so many close to death experience but there are some of those as well i remember especially 10 years ago the wind forecasts especially in the mountain areas were too low and there were people stuck in a storm up top of a mountain and then we actually tried to improve the post-processing of the wind because there was under forecasting of the wind in the mountain and, and that helped so in this uh, scandinavian model uh, the weather forecast is uh, considered a common good. Uh, it's, it's for free and it's taken for granted that this is free information for everybody. Is it the same all over the world or? Yeah, the weather information is free to download for everyone. And also the model information, we have it available on threads.net.no and it's freely available for everyone to actually to make their own yuri.no. But also the web page is, is of course free. And also this citizen science part, is that is that uh, more of a Scandinavian thing or do you have other examples um, globally that you've heard of? Uh, I've heard of other uh, projects doing, for instance, uh, using pressure information from mobile phones, phones in Denmark. So they are researched on using this crowdsourced data in other meteorological countries or uh, societies. Uh, but on EAR currently, we are only using temperature from net atmosphere stations in Scandinavia. Um, are there other areas than EAR.no where there is this collaboration between the, the lay people and the, the scientists, the scientists of meteorology? Uh, I mentioned the, in Denmark, the example from Denmark, where they use this pressure information from the cell phones. Uh, but otherwise, it's more uh, random feedbacks from people having a good observations during a storm or other um, 
uh, other um, uh, extreme weather situations. But nothing regular as I know of. These weather stations from Netatmo, um, I've checked into the internet, uh, doesn't cost that much. I mean, uh, almost anybody can, uh, can afford to buy it. But still, it's uh, it's not actually an open source thing. It's it's a company running it, and also read on the ear.no webpage that they would not they would prefer not to expose how exactly how many stations are involved, etc. So it's there is some sort of commercial secrecy there that is perhaps not in line with the open science movement ideals. Have you had any sort of discussions on the pragmatics versus the the uh, idealism? Uh, <laughs> I have not been involved in any discussion regarding Netatmo, but I see the problem, of course. But I think we have used Netatmo at Net because we have the ability to get as much data as possible. So that's the perspective, not whether it is open or closed. But ideally, it should be open. And uh, Net has an open data policy. For instance, regarding the, the source code of the model, I know in the Meteorological Society they are starting to make uh, it more open source than it has used to be. So, so open source is always what we want, but not always possible. Right. And uh, I also know that IRNO has been uh, developed in collaboration with the Norwegian uh, Broadcasting Company. Uh, I guess that would help. That helps also in the outreach part, dissemination of the product, etc. Do you have some information on that, or? Uh, I don't have much information, but I know that EU.no is actually owned by Norwegian Broadcasting Company, so they have the final responsibility for EU. So we are only delivering the, the data, and they can actually decide whether to use it or not. <laughs> but of course, we are involved in developing some tools and, and, and other stuff. But NRK has the final word. So, yeah, but so far it's been out there for at least 10 years. Yeah, I think longer, 2008, I think, so 12 years. 12 years now, and it's been for free, free to use uh, all the time. So yes. let's uh, hope it stays like that. Yeah, I think it won't be closed. It's also, what's interesting is that in the beginning when it started, I think Norway was one of the only uh, countries in the world providing free uh, weather data, but now other countries are also starting to make uh, weather data more freely available. So uh, Norway was a pioneer in that sense. Um, we mentioned earlier that you're also affiliated to UIT, the Arctic University of Norway. And uh, what is it uh, that you do here? Yeah, I work at the physics department and I'm affiliated to a project called Smart Senya. And I'm currently looking into the possibility to have uh, wind energy in small societies in Senya uh, because they need more energy, local pro uh, production of energy for, for the fish industry. So currently I'm running a high resolution model in the northern part of Senya. Uh, for I have run it for six months, and I'm looking, starting to looking into to the wind data. And I also have a master students that are supposed to look into these data. 
How do you collect uh, that kind of information about the wind? Do you have temporary stations there to, to measure the, the wind? We don't have much good stations. We have one station in Senjahopen from Vägvesne, uh, but it's, it has a bad location. So we mainly use now model data with very high resolution. And I think the model, especially when it comes to the wind part, is quite reliable. Are there any other topics you would like to add now towards the end of this uh, podcast? Uh, I have this my own weather blog uh, where I provide information that is not available on EUR or on other web pages because there are so much weather information that is still not presented to the public. And often a traditional weather forecaster has a lot of information that he has no platforms to, to present his information and many people that are interested in, when, in weather and weather information they like my blog at least I get the feedback that I like it so that's why I do it. Does this also help for you the feedback part that you're the recipient of information or? Exactly yeah it helps a lot for instance we had this storm this uh, yeah, two weeks ago or something like that and I asked the people on my blog, did you experience any trees falling down? And then I got some feedbacks, uh, which I wouldn't have got if I hadn't had this blog. This podcast is produced by the University Library at UIT, the Arctic University of Norway. Thanks for listening.